I want you to find Judges chapter 2. Judges, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Judges chapter 2. And uh, while you're finding that, I'm going to be quoting some more scriptures in addition. They may show up on the screen, but I'm just going to give some uh, encouragement to the person helping me in the slides. I'm going to move quick today. I may not be able to read all the scriptures that are in there. Uh, so if I start to read it, just put it up and I may not read it all, but we'll move quickly. We're, we're getting into the series now. We're calling this series Counterfeit Culture. It took us kind of a little while to get into it. The first message was way back several months ago, and we did an, an introduction. Then I preached another message last month before I went to Africa. What we're doing is outlining the fact that so much of the evil stuff, the, the wicked, demonic agenda that's happening in our culture, these things are not new. These things did not pop up out of nowhere. They, they did not just show up. In, in a vacuum. Uh, they're actually the same tactics that the enemy has tried for generations. There's a tagline on our series, you probably saw it on the opening uh, slide, different time, different culture, but same enemy, same tactics. I've been talking about the fact that everything that the devil's doing, everything that's happened in our world today is, is beyond insane. I mean, is anybody in agreement with me? I mean, you watch the news and you just say, are you kidding me? Are people out of their ever-loving minds? Have you really become so deceived as to believe something that is absolutely diabolically ridiculous? And I, I've said it's insanity, it's ridiculous, it's, it's, it's just down like stupid and then the other day a month or so ago God said you're using the wrong word what what it is 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 technically demonic it's satanic there is no other way to define the things that people are believing except that they are de 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 demonically deceived and it's absolutely evil beyond description first Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 helps us understand it says now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times how many know these are the latter times in the latter times some will depart from the faith that word depart is the word apostasy it means they will no longer believe things they once believed they will depart from the faith not that they never knew not that they never had faith but they had faith and now they've departed from it that's the word apostasy in the new testament devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and to the teachings of demons apostasy is the falling away the departing from the faith that's happening in these last days and uh, Paul tells Timothy here there's two sources of it. There are deceiving spirits. There are demonic spirits either directly or through false prophets who have wandered away from the truth and lead people into, into deception. But the second thing is maybe even stronger, the deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. Not necessarily teaching about demons, but false teachings that originate with demons. How many know there's a lot of demon voices out there? I'm telling you the truth right now. There are voices out there that are from hell. There are platforms out there that are demonic. Not everything that has a big audience is true. Just because it's big doesn't mean it's right. Just because it has a lot of followers doesn't mean it is not absolutely diabolically evil. Teachings of demons influence 
influence of demons will reach their peak during the great tribulation. But that does not mean that they're not getting great attention today. Now, here's the tough part. And I'm going to have to park here for just a little bit. Ephesians chapter 2 or chapter 6 says, For we in this battle are wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Is there anybody else besides me that has a hard time keeping that in perspective? I mean, wouldn't sometimes you just like to, to have it out with the devil once and for all and just take him down, take him out? But what we have to realize is that people... Now, I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm going to just kind of linger here for a little while. There's a lot of people out there that are saying stupid things. A lot of people out there are deceived. They're saying things that are not intelligent, things that are evil, things that are demonic. There are doctrines of devils. There are demonic agendas out there. There are people that are absolutely on the wrong path, speaking and saying the wrong things. But those people are not necessarily our enemy. Those are people that Jesus died on the cross for. Those are people that God loves. Those are people that God would love to be able to welcome them into the fold if they would just repent and give their hearts to Jesus. I don't know if this is a good illustration, but it comes to my mind. I'm just going to do it real quick. One of my mentors was talking years ago. I don't know if you remember, but years ago, there was a very famous preacher that was interviewed by a liberal talk show host. And this was a very famous event. So you might remember it. It's quite a number of years ago. And the question on that occasion was homosexuality. And this liberal talk show house had a preacher there and the preacher was intimidated. The preacher was kind of weak and he didn't know how to respond. And so the liberal talk show host said, well, do you you believe that homosexuals can go to heaven and the uh the the preacher that was kind of weak he just kind of him hauled well you know larry you know god loves them and 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 he just kind of him hauled and didn't give a very accurate answer well my mentor said here's the answer he should have said he said oh absolutely larry homosexuals can go to heaven anybody can go to heaven all they have to do is repent give their hearts to jesus homosexuals can repent and give their hearts to Jesus and go to heaven and bank robbers can repent and give their hearts to Jesus and go to heaven. Even liberal talk show hosts on CNN can repent and give their heart to Jesus and go to heaven. That, that's the truth. That would be a right statement, right? There are people today that are so absurdly ridiculous in the stuff they're saying and what they really believe. But those people are people that Jesus died for. Those are people that we have to love with the gospel. Sometimes you'd like to lo love them really hard. <laughs> but this battle has got to be fought on the spiritual level. Now, Omar alluded to it. I alluded to it. So I'm going to go ahead and just kind of put it out there for you. There are some things happening right now. I don't know if you're aware of this or not in Hernando County that involves our school district. And there is a meeting on May the 30th 
It's been moved to a different venue because they're expecting multiple times more people to attend this meeting than what have attended meetings in the past. They've also announced that everyone that goes through this meeting will have to go through a metal detector and no purses, no bags will be allowed in the meeting room and every person that goes in the meeting room will have to walk through a metal detector. And I'll tell you what right now, I plan to go to that meeting. It's on May, it's on May the 30th. Now, I don't know if I'm going to talk or not. You have to get there early, and you have to put your name on a list, and they have to approve you. I don't know if I'm going to speak or not, but whether I speak or not, I'm asking God whether I should or not. And if he tells me to, I will. If he tells me it's not necessary, I won't. But whether I speak or not, I'm carrying the kingdom into that room. I'm carrying the influence of God into that arena. And I would encourage as many of you as possible to go. I'm just talking out loud. I know this is on record and this is going live stream on the internet right now, but I'm not backing off from it. It's been my understanding that other liberal groups are arranging their processes. They're, they're going to pack the room. Uh, and I don't even want to mention the names of these groups, but think of some of these liberal political activist groups, any of them that you can think of, they're all active. And, and I've even heard that some of them are going to wear multicolored shirts and they're all going to stand around the room. So it looks like the rainbow. Well, here's my admonition to you. I think somebody needs to stand up and say, thank you so much for putting the rainbow on display because the rainbow is God's original plan in the book of Genesis that he promised he would not destroy the word and no matter how angry God's gets at your evil agendas he will not wipe you out across the face of the earth because that's the promise and his rainbow in the sky is God's proof that he loves you enough not to obliterate you because of your stupidity now if God gives me an opportunity to say that I might but and then again God might not give me that liberty we'll see but um, this is very important I would encourage you, if you don't know anything I'm talking about, then educate yourself. Ask Pastor Omar, ask me, ask other people. We can point you in the right direction. There are people that I personally love very much and have put themselves in that arena and they're coming under diabolical demonic attack because of the stand they've taken for God. And I think if the church put them in that position, the church should support them in the position that the church put them in. And I intend to. And I would encourage you to do the same. But we must keep in mind this principle. The battle must be fought. Whoever goes into that meeting room, and if I, when I go into that meeting room, I'll have to pray before I get into that meeting room and ask the Holy Spirit, to give me the spirit of Christ. Because I can't. <laughs> my, my wife knows. She knows that. She's going to be praying for me. Because you cannot fight a spiritual battle on a fleshly arena. The weapons we fight with are not carnal. They're not Smith and Wessons and Rugers. <laughs> They're the word of God. And the sword of the spirit. And the Holy Ghost. So everybody okay? So here's where we're going with all this. I've laid the foundation, if you remember in the past, that this counterfeit culture is a revival of 
the ancient demon gods that God told Israel to wipe out. And I know you found Judges chapter 2, but let me remind you in the book of Deuteronomy, this is like the key verse for the whole series, it says that they sacrificed to demons that were not gods, to gods that they had never known, to new gods that had come recently whom your fathers had never dreaded. In other words, these evil demon gods, the Hebrew word is the Shadim, and there's lots of material if you're a reader, I want you to look up a book called The Return of the Gods by Rabbi Jonathan Kahn and you'll find everything that I'm teaching you there in that book. But what he says is that what's happening in our world is a result of Israel not wiping out the Canaanite gods, not destroying their influence, not shutting them down, but continuing to give them influence. And yes, during the time of Christ, their influence was greatly limited, but the kingdom had come and for for centuries the church was growing and prospering but the admonition or the warning of Matthew chapter 12 really has come to pass when Jesus said when an unclean spirit goes out of a person it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none then it says I will return to the house from which I came and when it comes it finds the house empty swept and put in order then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself and when they enter and dwell there and the last state of that person is worse than the first and Jesus is teaching that when demonic spirits are limited if they are not totally obliterated if they're not totally shut down and if that house is not totally filled with the Holy Spirit if Jesus is not given total complete authority over that house that demon spirit that's been searching in a waterless place trying to come back and find because demons cannot have activity without being involved in people that they are disembodied spirits the only influence they can have is through people that they influence and get involved in and so the demon comes back and if he finds that Jesus is not the Lord of that house he'll re-enter that house and when he gets in he'll bring seven more demons worse than himself and Jesus said the last state of that person will be worse than the first and Jesus's last statement here is very important Because he says, so also will it be with this evil generation. Meaning, he's not just talking about people, but he's talking about groups of people. He's talking about generations of people. He's talking about nations of people. And this is exactly what's happening in our modern world. These demonic gods that Israel should have destroyed have been allowed to resurface and come back and we are reaping the consequences of Israel not following God's instruction to totally destroy them. Now, I've got to give you a lot of information in a short period of time, but again, if you're interested in the book, it will really help you. So today we're going to start to expose what I call the dark trinity. Okay, just as there is the holy trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's also a dark trinity. There is an unholy trinity. Just like we have three gods in one, Father, Son, and Spirit, Satan has an alliance of three main demon gods that make up his shadim, that make up his demonic powers and principalities. The first two, and we'll talk about one today, the first two are very obvious. The third is a little more of a mystery. He changes and morphs and shifts from time to time, but we'll flesh him out as well. And so the first one today that we call the possessor is the evil demonic god of the Old Testament 
Testament that Israel should have wiped out, but they allowed his spirit to remain. And now it's being re, uh, revitalized and coming back to influence our culture today. And that is the Old Testament demonic evil spirit called Baal or Baal. How many have seen that many times in the Old Testament? Baal. B-A-A-L. It's a very interesting word. It doesn't just mean one god or one demon. It's a group or an alliance of demons. There was more than one Baal. The Old Testament talked of Baal Hadad. It talked of Baal Hermon. It talked of Baal Tamar. It talked of Baal Peor. M many more. The word Baal, B-A-A-L, can be translated as Lord or owner or master. So the Bible speaks of Baal or Baals. It speaks of Balaam. Those are all the same things. This is this demonic entity, the spirit of Baal, which is the possessor, the Lord, the master. It's the head of all demonic dark demons that are out there. And it is the spirit that's being revitalized in our culture today. And America is being influenced by Baal and doesn't even have a clue of what's going on. I'm going to show you this before I get finished today. The spirit of Baal, in fact, if you start searching around on the internet, you start Googling the word Baal and, and Baal worship, you'll find a whole lot of information out there because Baal is alive and well in the United States of America today. So you're at Judges chapter 2, right? Yes? Okay. Verse 1. Let me explain this, why it, how it happened. Now the angel of the Lord... This is after Israel's in Canaan. Uh, they've been in the land of Israel for a time now. And uh, uh, Joshua that brought him in ha is getting old. He's about ready to, to pass the leadership on. And the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum. And he said to his people, I brought you up from Egypt. And I brought you into the land that I swore to give to your forefathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this that you have done? God said, I told you what to do. I told you wipe them out. I told you don't intermarry with them. Don't let their inhabitants have influence. Don't make covenants with them. Don't enter into treaties and agreements with them. But you have disobeyed my voice. Can I tell you something this morning? Partial obedience is worse than total disobedience. If God gives you an instruction to do something and you say, well, I'm going to do part of it or I'm going to do it my way. I'm just going to kind of like make it a little bit easier and I'm going to do what I feel like I want to do. But it would be better for you to not even try at all. Because partial obedience is worse than total disobedience. You know why? Because when you only partially obey, what have you done? Congratulations. You have documented your disobedience. Come on, that's strong. Get a hold of that. It would have been better to have done nothing at all than to go on record as shaking your fist in the face of God and saying, I know more than you do. So I'm going to make it look like I'm obeying when all reality I'm disobeying because I'm only going to do the part of it that I want to do. And God will say it would be better if you would have never tried at all because what you have done is documented your rebellion and your disobedience. Verse 3. So now, God says, I say... I will not drive them out. In other words, you're on your own now. You've asked for this. You've got it. 
and they shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and they wept. Why? Because they realized they had brought disaster upon themselves. And when the warnings are not heeded in one generation, they become the demonic snare of the next generation. Let me rephrase that for you. I'm going quick. What is tolerated in one generation will become the standard of the next generation. What we do not correct today, what we're convicted of, what we tolerate, what we do not fix today will become the norm next generation. The things that the church has allowed, the things that our, our own lives have allowed, the, 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 the sin that we have allowed today. And you were right on, Pastor Meredith, when you were talking this morning. There needs to be repentance in the people of God. And if there's anyone in this room that God is talking to you about repentance, today is the day of salvation repent and get it right with God because if you put it off of repenting today it'll be so much easier to resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit tomorrow and there'll be a day six months a year from now when you can sit in this house and there'll be people right beside you that are weeping because the conviction of the Holy Ghost is so strong in this place but you can sit right there and you would not feel one foreign thing because you have hardened your heart you become your conscience seared as with a hot iron and you can't even feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Come on, I'm preaching pretty good. Can you say amen? amen. So repent today because what's tolerated now will become the standard of expectation in the next generation. So Joshua died. That's in verses 8 and 9. And then here's what God said, Judges 2.10. And all the generation of Joshua were gathered to their fathers. But there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods and from um, among the peoples who were around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. And God said they abandoned the Lord, and they served the Baals and the Eshterah. They forgot the God that parted the Red Sea. They forgot the God that tore down the walls of Jericho. They forgot the God that gave them the land of promise. And according to God's own warning, they worshiped and served the Baals and the false gods of the Canaanites. It's when God gave his original Ten Commandment, number one, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 is what? You shall have no other gods before me. And when they forgot the Lord God of Israel and worshipped and served Baal, Baal was the firm first and the foremost of the other gods that God had in mind. He's like the epimity. He's like the top head demon god of the Old Testament. And then when they forgot the one true God, Jehovah, and turned to the number one demonic spirit, false god, it was like a, a, a smoke in the face of God. It was like totally the shaking of the fist in the face of God because they were like now serving and worshiping his, his number one uh, demon enemy. 
And it was so strong that by the end of the ninth century, that's a hundred years before Jesus, Elijah the prophet was ministering. And Baal had made such inroads into Israel's culture that now those who would not bow down to him were tortured, they were hunted down, and they were killed. Baal was the god of Ahab and Jezebel. And thank God for an Elijah that went on the mountain of God and said, we're going to have a showdown. If Baal is God, then let's serve him. But if God is God, let's serve him. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. I think some people need to show up at a school board meeting. Come on, I'm preaching pretty good. And say, let God be God. If the demons of this culture are God, if they're going to show their power, if they have the ability to do the supernatural, then let them do it. But I've got confidence that my God that answered by fire in the days of Elijah can still answer by fire in the days of the United States of America. And he can do, oh, I'm telling you what, I'm getting a hold of this this morning. He can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we ask or think or imagine. I don't know if I'm going to finish these notes or not, but I think it'd be great if all these groups, I'm not even going to honor them by mentioning their names, but you know who they are. They're the ones that are on the news, all these liberal, all these demonic groups out there. I think it'd be great if they all start fighting against each other. They will. That's exactly what happened in the Old Testament. Oh, I'm not getting enough. Uh, I'm not getting enough coverage. This other group is getting all my coverage, so I got my feelings hurt. They're all going to start inroading and infighting among themselves. And in the meantime, the saints of God will just stand back and say, Ha-ha, let God be true. Let's worship Jehovah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of the glory of God. And let God be the God that answers by fire. Let God be the God that takes the attitude of a Christian. Maybe you that shows up and in the face of diabolical evil, you just smile and say, you know what? It's so sad that you don't realize that God loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you would have been the only person that needed a Savior, the God that you hate still sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven and have eternity with him in heaven. That's what the Bible calls about heaping coals of fire on their head. You know in the book of Revelation or Romans where it says, put heap of coals of fire on the heads of your enemies. It's not talking about calling down fire of judgment. I, that's what I used to think it mean. God, heap coals of fire on their head and burn them, torch them in the name of Jesus. No, that's not what it means. You probably thought that too, didn't you? What it means is make them feel ashamed because their attitude is so wrong and your attitude is Christ-like and righteous. That, that's, that's what that means. God, God had to explain that to me one day because I was pretty confused. I was praying God for, to torture them and judge them. He said, no, no, son, that's not what that's talking about. It's talking about that they would be embarrassed because their attitude would be so far off from the Christian attitude of righteousness and godliness. So I'm going to get through most of this. The mission of Baal, the possessor. I've skipped quite a bit. You'll find me in the back. The mission of Baal, the possessor, is to cause a nation that had once known God to stop knowing him and then to forget him and then to forget it ever knew him in the first place. That's what he did 
to Israel. That's what he wants to do to the United States of America. It says in 2 Kings 17, after the fall of Israel, this is what God's explanation was. 2 Kings 17. They despised his statutes and his covenants that he made with their fathers and the warnings he gave them. They went after false idols and became false. They, and they followed the nations that were around them concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not be like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God and they made for themselves metal images of two calves and they made an Asherah and they worshiped all the hosts of heaven and they served Baal. And I don't know if you realize... And I don't have time to develop all of this right now, but I'll talk about it more as this series unfolds in the days that are to come. The Baal invasion has been very strategic, and it's very been underneath the radar. And there's Baal worship going on in the United States of America today, and for the most part, people don't even know it. You know what Baal will do? It's the same pattern as what he did in the Old Testament Dale. Baal's number one target will be the children. His purpose will be influencing the future generation and change the destiny of a culture. Because what's not confronted in this generation will become the standard of the next generation. And if you can change the current generation and turn their values from that of their parents, you will fundamentally alter the fabric of a nation. And I know it's not the end all of all. I know it's not the only thing that has happened. And a lot of people maybe talk about it a lot, but I've never, I guess, been so enamored as if it was the single solitary thing that made the difference. But it was quite possibly the first thing that America went on record universally as saying, and that is when the 1960s prayer through the audacity of a, um, ag an atheist by the name of Madeline Murray O'Hare, passed the promotion that prayer was banned from the public classrooms of the United States of America. It was proof that the Bales had returned, and they had targeted the children of the United States of America. And like I said, it's not the only thing that's happened. It's not the... the uh, only reason why we're in the case that we're in but it was probably the first thing that happened and it was where the tide began to shift and it was prayer at the beginning of the school day and then it was banning the bible from the classroom next came the exclusion of the ten commandments from school buildings and other public properties look that up that happened in 1980 that's not that long ago and on and on it goes. But the influence of Baal has greatly impacted our culture. I'm going to close with some powerful illustrations. The Supreme Court, you know, the one that in uh, 1980 offered down the very ruling that the Ten Commandments could no longer be on display on public properties, courthouses, and public buildings, and courtrooms. <laughs> That very Supreme Court convenes behind a big bronze door or gate to the Supreme Court chambers that has the image of Moses and the two tablets 
of the Ten Commandments. I don't know if you realize as well, but you go into the um, chambers of the um, House of Representatives, there's a, a carving, there's an image of Moses, the lawgiver, standing above, and he's looking down at the very podium of the Speaker of the House. I only learn these things because I, I research them and I, I study them, and I thank God for people that have done this revelation for us. But it was pointed out to me that just as Moses was on Mount Sinai, he was looking down from Mount Sinai, and what did he see? He saw the people taking their jewelry and melting it down and making a golden calf and worshiping around this golden calf and having an orgy. Moses, the lawgiver on the mountain of the gods, a commandment was looked down and he saw this sin of the people. And now we've got Moses in the um, House of Representatives hall looking down on the very podium of the Speaker of the House, seeing this diabolical evil that's taking place in our land. And I've said many times that when I get ready to make a, a political statement, you'll know it. You know, I often say this is not a political statement. Well, this one is, okay, just, just so you know. When you've got a person whom Moses is looking down upon at the podium of the Speaker of the House, when a President of the United States is given a State of the Union address, and that individual rips it up and gives an evil display as if the laws of this nation mean nothing to her. It's a demonic spirit that tells us Baal is alive and well in the lives of people that need Jesus. See, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember my, my own point here this morning. They need Jesus. I hate the passion of what they're doing, with a passion, but they still need Jesus. They desperately need Jesus, and you and I represent him. If you were to uh, Google, don't do it now, but you, you can. If you Google Baal, what's Baal look like? Uh, almost all the images you'll see pop up on Google, Baal looks like a bull. It's a head of a bull. It's, it's like the uh, head of a bull with horns on, on the body of a man. And uh, that's, that's always been Baal's theme. It's, it's bullish. And Baal has shown up all over our country. Baal has shown up on Wall Street. What is it that the United States of America, when it was making money on Wall Street, which, by the way, is not today. <laughs> if you've got money on Wall Street, and if your broker is breaking even, you need to give him a raise. <laughs> because none of them can make money on Wall Street right now. They're losing money on Wall Street. And it's as if God said, just like Israel forgot about the God that gave them everything they had, the United States of America, that thinks they have a bull market, that thinks they can put a big golden bull on the steps of the buildings in Wall Street and say, we're the financiers of the modern world. God said, I'll show you who is really in charge. You think you've got a bullish market? Your bullish market will crumble and fall. And the money that America thought would be the envy of the world today is disappearing rapidly. When it's in Uganda, 
Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't go find somebody on the street to change my American dollars into. I thought, you know, people will love American dollars. People in Uganda, I've been in other parts of the world like years ago. You go to Mexico, you go to different parts, you pull out American dollar, their eyes light up like a Christmas tree. You pull out American dollar in Uganda and they'll say, we don't want that. Not interested in those American dollars. Because they know the American dollar is not what it once was and it does not have the power it once did. So I had to go to an ATM, put in my debit card, draw out, uh, I think it was $300. I told you about that, right, sweetheart? Yeah, I'm just making sure, full, just making sure we got full disclosure here. Put in my debit card, pulled out $300, and they actually gave me 1 million shillings. I had, a, I had a wad of bills in my pocket like this thick. It was terrible. You go to buy lunch. Five, I mean, 500,000 for lunch, 500,000, and, and, and their bills didn't have, I know I'm getting long, but their bills didn't have commas. So, you know, with my, me, I, I had to kind of like try to count the, the zeros every time. Is, is this a 50? Is this a 500? Is this a 5,000? Is this a 50,000? Is this a, you had to count the zeros because there's no commas there. You know, if there's commas there, you can just tell at a glance, well, this is 50,000 or 500,000. But when the, you, know, you get old like me and your eyes are not as good as they used to be, you know, 50,000 looks like 500,000. If you don't think that's true, I'll write your tithe check for you next Sunday. You know, I'll just put, I'll just slide an extra zero on there. You'll never know the difference. Until it bounces. <laughs> then we'll all know the difference. But everybody okay? So Bale showed up on Wall Street. Bale has shown up in Hollywood. I don't know if you know it. But uh, if you Google some of the dances, some of the images, some of the artwork of Hollywood, you'll see it, the face of a bull with horns. It's the spirit of Baal that's controlling our world today. Um, what was I going to say? The last, last thing. Oh, Baal. How's it? B-A-A-L. Do you remember a couple years ago? Some of you probably do. There was a famous brand, Baal in Siaga. Remember that? And that word literally translates Baal is king. And they were exposed in their marketing, if you remember this, to their connections with pedophilia and um, molestation of children because Baal targets the children. I made the statement in the first service, and Pastor Meredith, come up. If you help me here, we're going to wrap this up. First service went much different than this service, but the theme has been the same. And that's God's calling us to an intercession. God's calling us to stand in the gap as the people of God and resist all of this demonic stuff. But I made a prophetic statement in the first service, and I'm going to say it again today, and I'll just say it casually right now. You mark my word. In the future, there will be many revelations of the deep-seated pedophilia that's happening in the United States of America. In places of great influence and in the lives of politicians and leaders. You mark my word. Prophets have already told us about this. It's already, I'm not, this is not new with me. I'm just telling you what God has shown other people. These demons are going to be exposed for what they do. 
And the church has got to stand in the gap. And we have got to be the people of God that will be salt and light. Someone came up to me after the first service. I was so touched. This person is a school teacher. This person is in our Hernando County School District. And they came up to me after the first service and they said, Pastor, I, it's hard in the school district, but I'm shaking my salt shaker and I'm turning on my flashlight. I said, good for you. We got to shake the shaker and we got to turn on the light because we're salt and light. That's who we are. That's what we must be. We must be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And if the salt of the earth has lost its saltiness, what good is it? Jesus said, it's of no good value of any kind. It must be gathered up, thrown in the fire and burned. Because if the salt loses its saltiness, it's of no value. If the light goes out, we might be carrying the flashlight, but the batteries are dead. It makes no influence. But we are the salt of the world. We're the light of the world. Come on, stand to your feet with me this morning. I want you to lift up your voices right now. And I know that we've already done it because the Holy Spirit led us in that extended time of praise and worship earlier. But I want you to know right now, this is our place. Take my place in the house of the Lord. Take my stand at the altar of God. Take my position of authority. I am an ambassador on the earth. I have a voice. I have an authority. I'm not just saying me, but we. You have a voice. You have an anointing. You have an authority. You have the power to push back evil and darkness and release the Spirit of God on this earth. So lift your hands all across the room with me. Father God, today in the name of Jesus, I speak over family first a prophetic anointing that this house is a remnant house that this house is an intercession house. This house is a house of the Spirit of the living God that will be salt and light in an evil generation. And we will see the Spirit and the power of God expose darkness and reveal light and make a difference. Come on, lift your hands. Just worship the Lord with me a moment before we go. You're holy today, Jesus. Holy name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands.
Father God, you have given us a platform. You have given us power, the Holy Spirit. You have given us permission to use that power. You've given us an exousia. But Lord, you've also given us the heart of the King. You've given us a heart of purity. You've given us a heart of brokenness. And I pray that, Lord, and this is sincerely my prayer, Lord, that we always keep in mind that it's a spiritual battle that must be fought on a spiritual level because people need you, Lord. They don't know it. They're resistant to it. They are angry at the very one that has the ability to give them the freedom they so desperately need but they have got to be loved on. They've got to be given hope through the name of Jesus. So help us be salt and light. Help us to be the people of God that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you today, bless you so much. Remember, next weekend is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Tracy Mitchell is an author. She's a speaker. She's a preacher. She's a teacher. She is such an awesome woman of God. It's going to be a great, great day. I know God's going to move. Have an awesome day today. We love you much.